Because as you get time, well, what do you get to do as the CEO, as the leader? You get to go build more business so you can hire more people. Mm-hmm. But when you stay stuck, hustle and grind, and you just try to do everything yourself, opportunities are just whizzing past your head left and right. The Move Entrepreneur Evolved Podcast. Get on it. And we're back with another episode of the Moved Entrepreneur Evolved Podcast which is brought to you today by Moved30.com, the entrepreneurial transformational program when you want to get into momentum. I am so pumped to have my boy, Nick Scarabozio. What's up, man? How you doing? Not bad, not bad. I'm excited to be here. I know we had to uh, reschedule a few times, but I'm glad we could make it happen. You know, it's really kind of crazy. I've only had, so we're, I don't know, we're 60 something episodes in right now. And I've only had one guy no show. <laughs> That's a good, that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So pretty, pretty good. So I'm going to lock in what you do right here. And then as we go through this, it'll make sense. So you help blue collar business owners create systems and scale to gain freedom from the hustle and grind. Did I lock it in? You did. Right on, right on point. So the first thing I'm going to get into is jujitsu. All right, all right. So you, you've obviously, uh, we've gotten in some conversations before. I've had the opportunity to be on, on your show as well, which has been a blast. And I'm just going to dive right into this, man. You got into jujitsu how long ago? And people are probably wondering, why are we doing this about work? But I'll pull this together. I'll pull it together. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, so I originally attempted jujitsu for about just under three months back in 2010. I unfortunately sustained a catastrophic knee injury, not from jujitsu, but I had dislocated my kneecap, which then tore every ligament and tendon in it. So I was in a straight cast for almost six months. So I really liked it when I was in it and just never got back to it. So then fast forward 10 plus years, uh, it's November 10th, November 12th of 2020. My wife, my kids, and I were all living out of a one-bedroom hotel with our two dogs in Colorado because we're looking for our new house. We had left California, and I'm bouncing off the walls. Like, I'm just like, I got to do something. I'm going crazy, just hitting the hotel gyms, not working. So I started looking for jujitsu gyms. I was like, I remember really liking that. Let's see if there's some cool ones around here and got super, super lucky. I'm so grateful for the gym I found here in Parker, Colorado. Uh, So I signed up on my son's 12th birthday november 13th or november 17th of 2020 started at zenith authentic uh in parker colorado and gung-ho ever since dude i always bring i always had it up so we had talked about it and the reason i bring it up is because i think there's so many analogies in business and i think there's so many analogies that come with jujitsu and i think you know i'll, I'll because i know that you're a coach and, and a trainer as well, I think that maybe there uh, we can open up the floor to being like, what do you think some of those things are? And I think I'll throw this in there really quick. Like if anybody um, has ever thought about doing jujitsu, I'll go ahead and be an advocate real quick. Uh, <laughs> uh, but the reason I'll be an advocate is that uh, you'd be surprised that past the strength side or the um, ability to move your body, it turns into a chess game. And mm-hmm. this chess game, you start to play with the body. And you would be surprised if you're someone that's maybe an introvert out there as an entrepreneur and you're looking for a community. I would definitely tell you right now, walk right into a jujitsu school. And yes, you're going to feel awkward. Yes, you're going to feel messed up. But I think that um, 
I, I think that it's great for entrepreneurs. And I think we can probably dive into, you know, some of the things that you felt, you know, when you walked in the first time, what was the first, it was that, have you ever done like a martial art at all or anything like that? I'd done some Muay Thai, some boxing. Um, I'm a pretty extroverted person. So I wasn't exactly nervous walking in there. I know I'd also owned gyms for 10 plus years. So I'm, I'm used to being in that setting now. That didn't mean there wasn't nerves. I'm like, okay, am I going to do well? Am I going to get my ass kicked? Who knows? Um, you know, so, but I, I agree with you 100%. There is so much in the way we learn jujitsu that can be translated to business. And the, the example I always give, when my jujitsu is on, like when I am just, everything's working and it doesn't matter who I go against, I'm not thinking. I'm in flow state and my body's just doing what it needs to do. When I'm not doing that and I'm trying to be overly methodical and I'm trying to force things and do everything at once, my jujitsu is terrible. I do the same thing and have done the same thing for over a decade in business. When business is going really well and I put myself in a zone of genius in a flow state where I'm working on what I should be, everything just hums and moves along and it goes. When I start to try and micromanage or not delegate or take over and try to do everything myself, that's when the business comes to a grinding halt and shit breaks. Yeah. So I always look at that. It's like, don't do the things you shouldn't be doing and putting yourselves in bad positions, whether it's jujitsu or business, be in your flow state, be where you're strong and you don't have to think about it. You're just natural at it. Yeah. I, and you know what? I think that um, that brings up a really good point. So nat, so natural at it, maybe I'll tap into this one a little bit. Um, I'm having myself talk a lot more on this one because I got excited talking about fighting. <laughs> no worries. But I think that I think that um, the term flow state is actually um, I think it's the rise of Superman, becoming Superman. I have the book downstairs, but basically it talks about this flow state and and what what we talk about or they talk about in flow state and I talk about a lot too. It's actually it's a four percent increase in the pressure and the skill set or the pressure and the problem solving so that you can actually do it so you got to have a base like you kind of yeah. got to have this foundation that you can solve problems at a four percent increase moving forward it's pretty wild you know <clears throat> so when it came, go ahead I was going to say, so, I mean, the thing that always comes to me, and I, I think we had talked about this briefly when you were on my show, is that 4%, when we think about it, everyone wants to kind of kick that to the side and go, it's 4%. What can happen with 4%? Well, hell, you're making a million dollars a year, 4%, all of a sudden is a good little amount of money. You're talking about heavy, heavy weights when you're lifting or when you're in jujitsu, like 4% becomes these massive quantities that we want to talk about. So I agree with you on it, like finding that state and just being able to operate that much better, that little in increment better, night and day difference, whether it's business or sport. Now, I want to go um, back a little bit and I want to look at, um, you, you, you didn't just become a coach in this business. It started somewhere else, right? Maybe you could share a little story on how you kind of got to where we're at kind of today. Yeah, so it's been a uh, constant evolution, metamorphosis. So my background for work is started working at a really young age. Uh, I think my first job was officially 14, park and rec, junior director, whatever that meant in San Francisco. Uh, fast forward, I get out of college. 
I start in the family industry of real estate and property management. I spent 15 years inside of that while building up the property management and real estate business with the family, um, decided that I really wanted to do something stupid with a good buddy of mine. And we opened up a gym in 2010. Uh, so dove into that whole world of gym ownership, personal trainer, CrossFit owner. We eventually went into uh, being OPEX owners. Uh, for anyone who knows that space, like there's all these big names that you start to think about. Um, so I was coaching there. I was also coaching high school sports. I was coaching my kids sports. So coaching just has always been something I've really liked to do. And 2010, when we opened the gym was when I really realized like, hey, this is a career path. And I just started evolving with it. So started in fitness and sport. Mm. All of a sudden, really found myself talking to a lot of my clients about mindset and what was going on at home then found myself in our organizations really talking about business with other business owners to the point where then as I went through my own programs got some uh, taps on the shoulders from some some bigger coaches than I and said hey I want to bring you in have you help me help grow my clients so went all the way into men's transformational coaching fast forward to today like still work with some men and women on the health and wealth and mindset um, but really focus on that strategic business growth because I just see that it's such a big need in so many people's lives. I think that, um, you know, that aspect of coach and things like that, as you went through that, um, what are some things that you found going all the way through as a coach? Do you find yourself kind of someone with the carrot? Are you the whip? Where, where, what are you, what is your, yeah, what, what is your style? style? Um, that is a client to client basis. I mean, there are definitely times where I come off as the, the whip and, you know, kicking, kicking you where you don't want to be kicked and making sure to get you back on track. But at the same time, you have to have a soft side. There are times where empathy and compassion are the strongest tools that you have in your arsenal. Um, what I tell a lot of coaches, cause I do still work with a lot of other coaches as they're building their business. Coaching is this weird game. No one's creating anything new. We're all distilling down experience and information in our own way that resonates with someone else. And the best coaches in the world, what we're doing, what we're actually relaying to you are the reminders we're giving ourselves of what we need to do. Like what, what we are trying to remind ourselves we need to be better at are the lessons that we're pushing down to our clients to our customers, to the people who need the help. That is a key. You know, sometimes I tell myself, like, I'll go for like a run. And I was doing these things and, and you know, I was kind of like talking through the phone and I was having people say, man, you sound like a motivational speaker. And like, I've always not <laughs> liked that about myself in a way, being honest, because I'm like, application is more important to me. Like, we, you know, you might have a good voice for that. And then one day someone was like, you sound like a motivational speaker. I was like, hey, I'll be honest. That's just the way I talk to myself. So if you're listening, <laughs> this is literally myself. what I say to myself when I get up, get up, you pussy, get the shit done. <laughs> so if it sounds motivational, that just shows you sometimes how far I got to dig. Yeah, I, I think there's this weird, there's this weird expectation, no matter who you look at, in the coaching spectrum, whether it's me, whether it's you, Jason, whether it's Tony Robbins or, you know, one of these big, big wigs, like everyone just assumes that they have everything together. 
I guarantee you every coach in the world has something on fire inside of their life, their business somewhere. And the only difference is that we've made this trip. Well, I'm not going to say we all have. Most of us hopefully have made this transition to understand, okay, that's on fire. Instead of panicking, ignoring and, and avoiding it, I need to leverage the tools, systems and processes I've created to put out the fire and make sure it doesn't come back. Like coaches aren't these unique unicorns that don't have problems. We've just built systems to deal with them. Yeah, that's a really good point. You're solving the problem and then you're documenting it and then you're making it into a repeatable process. That's exactly it. Kind of on a on an interesting topic, um, as we as we start to kind of transition, I think that guys like yourself um, having experience in these type of coaching and, and ultimate multiple coaching, um, we're going to, we're getting a ton of tapped or it's humming around that we're going through a recession coming up. And, you know, I'm really interested to have this conversation with people because I think you have a lot of the coach environment out there and we have a, we might have a lot of trouble out there. And so um, there might be a, an area or a sector of people that are just lost because they've been coaching to get coached. And I'm kind of intrigued in what your thoughts are on maybe over the next X amount of time for these impactive industries. Yeah. So I personally am not concerned about the recession and that's just because of the experience inside of the last one. We were hot and heavy real estate property management and the real estate was what created the recession. Well, you fast forwarded from 08 to 2010, our business grew exponentially because what we said is, look, there are some troubles that need to be dealt with, but the services we provide can't go away. If they go away, there's bigger problems. So we just need to understand how to provide them better, faster, more efficiently. So I think no matter what industry you're in, and I do specialize in the blue collar, you know, dirt, tools, businesses, things of that nature. Like I think companies of that nature will grow through this if they do it properly because it's okay. We can't be frivolous with cash. What's our cash strategy for the next five years? If you didn't already have one, that, that kind of is a problem. You should have had it done. And But oh, well, now I need to be more frivolous with cash and not just spend it everywhere. How am I taking care of my team? How am I putting down processes and systems so I can consistently repeat this even when the world changes around me? When you can do that, your business just streamlines and you can take some dents, some bumps, some bruises because you're not taking these this roller coaster ride of issues. So recession, yeah, it, it does look like we might hit that. I don't think it's going to be as bad. Um, but I'm also, let me preface, I'm not a financial expert. I have no fucking clue. Uh, <laughs> so this is all just my personal. I'll drink to that. Yeah, my, per, my personal belief. But now's the time to build and streamline your system so that when we come out of it, you're just full speed ahead. I... I did not like coming out of 08, 09, 10, 11, 12. Fast forward five, six, seven years, and people are still like, yeah, when 08 hit, I'm like, dude, it's been 10 years. Like, if you haven't recovered 10 years later, that's a problem. That's 14. Yeah. So it's just like, come on. Like, you, you can only use the story so long. Change your circumstances, build a better system, move forward. Um, diving deeper into that, what are the kind of businesses that uh, you are working with currently? And, you know, that I think we can pull some application out of that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I say blue collar to gray collar. 
Um, I, I don't, it's not that I don't like people in the white collar industries. I don't have the expertise and the financial services, the insurance, or I can work with those, but I have a lot of experience inside of construction, inside of maintenance, inside of, you know, dirt, plumbing, electrical, those things. So I understand the personality of the people who own those businesses, but I also understand the work they have to do because I spent 15 years there. So one of the other reasons I like it is I see so much potential inside of those companies with just shifts in their ability to lead and manage. We don't need to come in and say, hey, you got to drop a quarter million dollars on software tools and merchandise. We can go in and just change the way you lead as the CEO to the second level, to the third level, and your company becomes more profitable. Maybe an example area is, um, are, are you looking for areas, or maybe you can you know, add to this, but areas of companies that, are, that have gone through COVID, now they're also at a place of transition for digital. You'd, you'd be surprised how many companies out there still haven't, I mean, obviously they've gotten like Stripe or something, gone like done that kind of stuff, but like full CRM adaption, like there's still, we still have, but also it's only been 20 years since this thing's only been around. So yeah. it's kind of weird, right? To think that. Yeah, so technology is the biggest double-edged sword. And I've fallen victim to this so much. I've always been an early adopter of technology, much to my downfall. Like I'd be, when we had the gym, we always had the coolest software and the the programming stuff. Like, oh, this is what's going to push us over the edge. Clients didn't care. Clients just wanted good workouts and good coaching. So, but to your point, like there are a lot of these companies that don't have any software. Mm-hmm. So when I come in and I start talking leadership and I start trying to understand where's the money coming from, like, hey, what's your function flow map from lead to cash check? Like who's in charge of what step and what process? I don't know. People just call and they ask for an estimate and hopefully we get it. And then the check clears. Okay, that's not a really long-term, successful, viable way to run a business. Let's build a system. If we need tools, if we need technology, we bring it in, but they have to understand it. They have to want to use it. Uh, But that, again, comes down to leadership. Like Maybe the CEO really is just a salt-of-the-earth plumber who, even though his company is doing a couple million a year, he wants to just get under a house and plumb. Okay. Great. Let's put someone in charge of the numbers. You shouldn't be handling that. So teaching them how to lead, how to put the right people in place is what changes their business for the long haul. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a really good point. And, and do you, th- <clears throat> you think again, and I, and I think sometimes like I'm having this conversation right now, I feel like I've just been in like a loop of this conversation because I've been in the internet for so long. And I remember the days that like, it's <laughs> I, it, it sounds like a broken record because I remember like when email came out and everything was like, okay, you know, everybody's adopted and you're like, okay, we better hurry up and get on it. And then, you know, Google comes out, the whole thing, oh, you better use Google and the new thing. And it's like, it's kind of never ended, you know, in the conversation of these businesses, not having all these adapted things. I mean, if you remember the, the book E-Myth. Yeah. I don't, that's probably a book that came out like 2000 or something and revisited. Yeah. Still, still reigns true. Um, I think the biggest thing in that conversation is, yeah, all these things are great, but again, it comes down to use. Like, you know, people still use a fax machine. Like there are still people sending paper faxes, even though it's been digitized and you can go and do it via email. But for that person, 
it works and they're still running a profitable, operatable business. Now, do I agree that that's the best way to do it? Hell no. I tried to get rid of the fax machine in 2000. Like I, I did not want one in our office. I was but, talking to an attorney and he said, he's like, I was like, who has faxes? <laughs> he's like, all of us do. Yeah. Said, because a lot of the, a lot of the guys that are older, they're just like, I ain't changing. And the law is me writing it and I'm not changing. And when you have, and he made a really good point. He's all, all the money's there. So they're yeah. going to change whenever they want. <laughs> it's still there. So, you know, all these technologies are great and it's always ever changing, but it's find the system and the process that works best for you. Like you, you and your team, if you know how to master it and you can teach your team how to master it, that's what makes a success, a successful business. Um, what are some of the things as you go back? Because as this uh, podcast is always about the evolution of the entrepreneur and, and the evolving of that. And I think that one of the things that I try my best to do is try to find like applicable things that you as the guest who's now successful and, and Parker's awesome, by the way, <laughs> since we've been there, it's like this little river in the back. I grew up going there. So I love Parker to death. A lot of my family and friends have places out there. And so, um, I don't know. I just lost my train of thought for a second. Got excited thinking about Parker. <laughs> it's all good. But through, I guess I'll, I don't remember what I just said. Oh, I always try to find things that adapt to today's application. And so going back as someone that kind of grew up doing business or watching your family do business, how much did that give value to you? And what are some of the things that you brought forward through that? Because we talk about simplicity, we talk about those things. Yeah, so I, I think the biggest advantage I had was if we look at the history of the family and I come into the real estate company, the business in 04, my father had gone in in 82, my grandfather had gone in in 64, my great-grandmother and great-grandfather, although never licensed, started managing and buying their own real estate in the late 40s in San Francisco. So I had, by the time I came in, I had 80 plus years of combined mentorship at my disposal. So I was able to compress an insane amount of knowledge into a tool that, I don't know what the answer is. Hey, should I go spend 10, 20, 30, 40 hours trying to figure this out? No, I'm going to go ask these people if they've ever dealt with it. Mm. Now what I would do is, hey, yeah, this is how I dealt with it. This is how I dealt with it. So I got three generations worth of how they dealt with it. Oh, that's interesting. Some of that stuff's a bit outdated, but the, th the theory and the premise is still the same. So, okay, how do I bring it into real time today? And that's where I became, what I, what I became very successful at is that systemization process and sequencing of doing work. So in our company, specifically the management side, industries, industry standards about per hundred units, you have an employee we got up to about 1,100, 1,200 units. We had three employees. So we were operating at a clip that other companies couldn't do. So that made us highly profitable, highly motivated, highly, like we could execute at a speed because I would take the lesson from the mentor yeah. and I'd find out how to do it faster, quicker, simpler. Got it. So my, my lesson in all that is get yourself a mentor in industry and out of industry. Like I'm a big believer of I go learn from people in, industries I'll never be a part of, but then take their lesson, figure out how to make it your own, the way you operate it and make it better and faster. That's that whole distilling of information. That's what coaches should be doing. Taking a lesson that has helped change them, 
figuring out how they verbalize it and teach it, and then taking it to those who need it from them. And then in that application, when, when that as even as yourself, um, when you don't find those, do you have other, other avenues? Do you, then you just go pay for them or what, what has been? Yeah. Your- yeah. So, I mean, there, there are definitely a lot of different uh, times where going to a third party or outsourcing, you know, one of the hardest lessons I had to learn as a business owner, business leader is I'm a absolutely shitty teacher. Like, because I had to learn a lot on my own. I would get it from the mentor and then tinker with it. It took me a long time to become a teacher and a coach. So what I had to do in the beginning was find the right people to teach others. Like hiring and sourcing, I think is the biggest problem business owners face today, finding the right talent. Stop doing it on your own. Go find someone who can do it. So find the talent sourcer. Um, If you don't know how to do the finances, stop trying to learn QuickBooks through a $39 Udemy online course. Go outsource it. You got a a blue collar business and estimating is taking up all your time. And for anyone who's blue collar, I guarantee they're nodding their head properly right now. Go hire a goddamn estimator. Why do you think... Well, I mean, I go through this too. I mean, and every, every time you're like, okay, maybe I should do, what do you think it is about us as, well, as entrepreneurs as well, but there's, there's something inside this form that is, you think it's like, I don't want to let that go, or maybe I need to know that, or, you know, I run into that too. Sometimes I'm like, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? And then sometimes I'm like, why didn't I do that? (laughs) So it's two parts. The first part is our entrepreneurial brain that has yet to become a CEO wants to have their hand in everything, wants to take care of everything. Hustling grind, man, freedom from the hustling grind. Like, I'm going to do it all. I'm going to do it all. That works for the first few years. And then you have kids and you have a wife and you have all this stuff to do. And you're like, oh, this isn't working too well. So first, we got to go from entrepreneur to CEO, learn how to bring in the right people, delegate, automate, systematize. The second part that goes with that, that makes it so hard in the beginning is we're fighting and scrapping for every dollar. If we don't see tangible result immediately, it's hard to see the value of bringing that person in. So, hey, Jason, I need you to hire an estimator. It's gonna cost you 65K a year. Holy shit, man, I don't have 65K a year. That's not gonna happen. Hey, what's your time worth? No, I'll just do it myself. Yeah, but... You go do that. Yeah, you save 65 grand, but you were unable to go close that 300K deal. Mm-hmm. So you actually cost yourself 240 grand. But it's hard to see that because it's not in your hands. It's not tangible in the moment. Yeah, that's a really good point. Have you found, because obviously that's hiring and things like that. One, what is one of the things that you've, it sounds like you've hired as well. It's just, you know, what is the things that, one of the things that you look for? I have, I have kind of an interesting one, but what are rely heavily on assessments, um, disc assessments. Uh, one of the things I've been exposed to just in the last year, which completely blew my mind. And I'm like, God damn, if I had had this 10 years ago during the hiring process, take your disc assessment as the hirer, then take the possible potential persons. And both of you have a conversation about it and how you would work together. You find out a lot of times you're just like, well, we're the same assessment and that's not going to work. That is, that's pretty, I like that. You're basically taking your personality traits and matching them with theirs. Yeah, but you don't, but see, here's the thing is that in most cases, if you're hiring properly, you don't want them to match. 
because you're trying. Oh no, to for fight. sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, you don't want two in the same. I mean, you don't want two in the same room. Yeah. Yeah, you're trying to fill a position of shit you're not good at. So you want to, if you're a high D, high C on the disc, you need an I and an S. So if you're interviewing another high D, high C, like, hey, you guys might want to get a beer together. High five, bro it out. It's probably a great friendship. Going to be an absolutely terrible working relationship. Yeah. So yeah, using the, it, assessments is absolutely critical. I've learned that through the years. I've, you know, one of the ones that I found as well, especially working online and hiring people is I always tend to get in there and ask them like, what do you do for fun? Yes. You know, I want to know what, what are some of the things that you enjoy in your life? What are the things that make you tick? What are the things that, and you know, in, in any time that I've hired, um, it takes a couple more minutes, but what I found is it, you immediately start this relationship of this guy gives a shit about me. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. I focus around that because really you would hope, right? You would hope the person that's applying has 80% of the skill set that you're trying to accomplish. You know, I mean, if it's something you're, I mean, if it's bad work, but you probably see some kind of thing that they do that attracts you to them. And then at that point, I always try to find like, can we, are you going to kind of, are you someone that shows up? Do you have any, like, can I find anything that you repeat in your life that has value that I'm like, you're going to at least say, I got to keep this job. And then the other one that I always ask is I'm kind of like, what's next? Yeah. 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 I mean, most, most employers are afraid to ask that because they're like, well, what if they say something and they're not going to be here that long? Okay. Well, how long's long? Well, they said three years. Okay, they're not going to be there three years after that anyways, unless you're talking CFO, COO, some type of position like that. Well, three months. Yeah, okay, well, thank them for their time. Probably not a good hire to have. Move on. Um, but the, the one point I also wanted to jump in on what you said right there is, you know, you said 80%, like fine, if they can do 80%, I don't even go that high. I tell a lot yeah. of my clients who refuse to just hire someone to find the, the people for them. If they want to do it themselves, I'm like, cool, write a list of the top five things you need someone to do. Now only look at the first two. Mm -hmm. If the person interviewing is a master of one of those two, now you just have to understand if you like them and you will work with them. Because if they can do one or two of your top five really, really, really well, they have proved their value in the time they're going to give you. So they're going to free up enough time just by doing one or two masterful things that they are worth it to you. Then can we train them to maybe do three and four? Yeah. No, I can't train them to do it. Cool. Go hire someone else. Because as you get time, well, what do you get to do as the CEO, as the leader? You get to go build more business so you can hire more people. Mm -hmm. But when you stay stuck, hustle and grind, and you just try to do everything yourself, opportunities are just whizzing past your head left and right where'd the term hustle and grind come from it's just how i felt so the part of the story through all of that is owning gyms being an ex-collegiate athlete doing sports all that i became utterly unhealthy heavy alcoholic uh gluttonous like just i ballooned up to 320 plus pounds i think 327 was the most i ever weighed myself in at but I'm sure I was heavier than that. And it was always this mindset of, I'm just, I'll get there. I'm just hustling. I'm just grinding. It's, I'm right there. I'm right there. And the worst part was I was making really good money. I was making more money than the family needed. So it was like, what were you searching for? But I was just like, 
It's three o'clock in the morning. I'm up smashing Red Bulls, typing out funnels and writing email copy and doing all that. It's like, hire someone to do that. Go sleep eight hours, go work out, take care of yourself, be there for your family. Mm. So break free from the hustle and grind because it's necessary. There's still times that I'm like, all right, I got, I got to hustle for the next month or two. I got to drum up some stuff, but it can't be a lifestyle. drives me nuts on social media like people who this is the life it's gonna be that life for about three more years till you burn out Mm -hmm. yeah have have you hit burnout oh yeah 2016 17 and 18 (laughs) like all three years of them just hated what i was doing it wasn't even the job i just hated working because it just there didn't seem to be an end point like what was i didn't know know what i was going for that's a really good point. That's a really good point. Um, yeah, that's a really good point. You think there's some nature in us <clears throat> about the hustle and grind that maybe the inner us that are working on the internet a lot more that we're missing? Would you have said hustle and grind if we were in a labor position as most of our jobs of building construction? I mean, even the contractor, you know, you're, you know, a contractor or owners, it's like, it wasn't, it's not uncommon for them to be out there moving clay, oh, yeah. you know, tile and doing all that kind of stuff. You think there's something inside of us? And I'm always interested in this over the last few years, especially as there is a maybe recession coming, the, the, you know, feeling a certain way. Do you think we're missing that as, especially as guys and men, do you think there's something in us that's like, gotta work harder? Cause we're like, cause we're not exerting, you know what I mean? Like yeah. we're not falling asleep at night because we picked up 35, you know, bricks yesterday or something like that. Yeah. Well, what it, what it is, what the hustle and grind, when you take it to a blue collar, gray collar, white collar position is it's the hunt. It's like, we're hunting, we're men, we're, we're hardwired to go hunt. But what we fail to do when it comes to business, most of the times is set the exact target. So it's, we just keep hustling and grinding. Like when is enough enough? We never set that number. We never set that goal. So we just keep going back it up a thousand years. Yeah. You had to hustle and grind to eat, to survive. But once you killed the Buffalo, you're like, good, I'm, I'm done. I got three, four months of food right here. I'm going to go take a break. I'm going to go be with my family. I'm going to go take care of this. And then it can't. So again, I'm not anti the hustle and grind. There are times, no matter how successful you are, you will have to hustle and grind, but there has to be a framework around it. Why am I doing it? What's the target? How do I know when I've gotten there? Mm -hmm. If you're just like, I'm going to hustle and grind the rest of my life. Like I love watching the 20 somethings on Instagram. 22 years old, like made my first 100K. Good for you, man. I am so proud of you. I'm a hustling grind like this for the rest of my life. Oh, shit. Here we go. Like by 25, this guy is going to be burnt out. Like set the next hunt, set the next target. Yeah, they don't. Well, I was going to say, yeah, you don't get more testosterone. And then I was like, well, yeah, you can. (laughs) I forgot forgot how much our society has evolved. Yeah. Just eat a lot of sweet yams. That's you know, that's all all it is. Sweet yams. Do you get into anything about uh, you know the way the way that you look at things? Is there certain things that you find that you're doing um, in in this hustle and grind and 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 your body? Are, is there certain things that you've like? My uncle, um, uh, he he would he would eat a ha- or a half of a garlic clove every night he went to bed. Dude didn't smell good every time he showed up to the house smell like a garlic clove <laughs> but like is there anything that you found for yourself that you've attached to 
you know, because a healthy side is important for us to move forward, you know? So yeah, is there anything I mean, that you've like found that you've hooked to lately or yeah, even- jujitsu, jujitsu and golf are my two hobby obsessions right now. And I, I like doing those because there is a natural tendency to take care of myself, to be better at them. Like I will make decisions based on, all right, I have a jujitsu tournament three weeks out. Well, no, I'm not going to have an entire extra large pizza. I'm going to eat chicken and rice. And that way I can get up in the morning and I can train. And it's just these constant benefits because I'm, I know what my hunt is. I know what I'm going to get right now. Oh, that's a and really when good I get point. there. Yeah. I feel satisfied. Like I just did a jujitsu tournament, did not perform the way I did, but Hey, all right. What did I learn from that? I didn't do as well in the training ahead of time. I was bumped and injured and bruised up. Okay. Well, Next time I go to hunt, which will probably be August or September, what's the plan look like ahead? What's the hustle for that three months before it look like? Mm -hmm. And I can map it out. But yeah. I'm not just stuck in these blinders on hustling grind mode. And almost, almost using it kind of like a blast to kind of go forward and then stop and then blast forward and then go, go stop. I think that's yeah. really cool. All right. We're, we just brought up golf. So I'm going to have to do this one for you. I know you've seen this. I know you, <laughs> you have to have seen this. Let's see if we can get it ready. Oh, hold on. Have you seen this? Yeah. Oh, okay. The Tom Brady. Yeah. All right. Let's do it. Anyways. All right. So what's your, what's your take? Is it real or not? Cause that ball looks highly CGI when it hits the green. Okay. The thing, that's the reason I brought it up. So, <laughs> and they got me <laughs> for sure. Yeah, right when it hits right about here. Oh. <laughs> I'm just more impressed with the drone drivers on those shots. I'm more impressed with what? It's drone. Oh, like the drone? Yeah, with the way those guys can follow the golf balls, like I've flown my sons and I'm I'm hitting trees that are 100 feet tall. Like I should be able to miss them by a mile. These guys are following a one inch golf ball through the air. I, you know, it's funny. We, I have a little golf thing. You know, I play, uh, I accidentally play as good as I can when I show up, you know? Yep. <laughs> Uh, but they had pulled up the thing and they were like, uh, we, every single one of us in the Instagram group, we all started showing it. So when we looked, it was like, you know, sideways, 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 you know, and then at the end this morning, someone wrote, you know, I feel like I got, you know, gypped is like real or fake. And I was like, I got gypped. I, I don't know. And now I'm kind of like, it's the, I mean, it's the big question. I, I mean, the guy. The guy is such a phenomenal athlete. He has proven that. And I mean, he's been on that match show where he's golfed with two of the best in the world. So he obviously knows how to stick the ball. I would not be surprised if he had a hole in one or multiple since I've met people who have golfed three times and had them before. Uh, but yeah, it's, it, it brings up the debate, right? Did you ever see the one when you have to look this up, Mike Tyson, uh, he gets blindfolded. No. So he, so he gets blindfolded and as he, uh, <clears throat> if I was a Joe Rogan show, I'd be like, Hey, pull it up, but we're not there yet. You know, we do that episode, <laughs> almost, <like> that. almost. <laughs> but basically they set him up and there's a, there's a, a target. And right when he sits in front of the target, the girl goes up and he throws it and it kind of lands and she's all, you hit the, you hit the, you hit the, the, uh, you hit the board. 
And he's like, oh my God. And so he's blindfolded, by the way. And he throws the next one, he gets a bullseye. <laughs> he throws the next one, he gets a bullseye with his so eyes closed. And there's gotta be something. I was actually like, you know, <laughs> I'll say it because everybody would say it, but like his, he's got a smoking hot wife. He's got this, like all these rings that he has from football. He's got everything that you could ever think. And I, I was outside as I was like, after I watched that and I was like, this dude's the American dream like this is the dude like you know this if is you, what it if looks you like go further back in his career too so he grew up and went to a rival high school of mine so he's mm. a few years ahead of me but so i know his high school very well i know his background in michigan he was never the superstar he like even in high school oh, really? he was a good quarterback but his team didn't do anything real at michigan he got constantly berated and people were just like yeah whatever i mean you always see that draft picture of him where he looks like the most unathletic person, but there is something inside of him that just said, damned it all. Mm -hmm. But let's, let's bring this back to the conversation we're having of being a CEO and a leader and finding the right people in the tools. Look at who he surrounds himself with. He's mm -hmm. got his specific trainer, his specific nutritionist, his, his, uh, you know, who the crazy guy who does all the band stretching, he makes sure that he adjusts his contracts on his team accordingly so that the receivers, the tight ends, the people he wants are put there. So he is putting the team around him and then being the CEO and leader and going forward. That's an un, unwavering desire to win by him. We can do the same in business. We can say, hey, look, I'm really good at throwing the football this way. I can't run for shit. I don't ever run. And if I run, something's really gone. So I need a running back behind me. So that's maybe that's my CFO. I need someone good with numbers and put that person in place. You know, so build the team around you. We were talking uh, assessments. I don't know if you've ever done this one, Jason. Have you ever done uh, wealth dynamics? I have not, but I'm so right highly here. recommend checking out wealth dynamics. So I did it. <laughs> I am what's called the creator. Well, one of the things they talk about are the two most important people that you then need underneath you. As a creator, I need a supporter, just someone to do all the mindless, mind-numbing bullshit. Okay, that makes sense. Then I need an aggregator. I need someone who's going to consistently bring in leads and money. Why? Because as a creator, my natural tendency is to dump all the money back into the business and build and build and build. Ooh, good one. If I had known this when I was opening the gyms and running the other companies, I don't know what would have happened. Mm. But I only found this out within the last few months doing this assessment. But you start to go back and you go, oh, my God, like, that's why it didn't work that way. That's why this, oh, I could have pivoted here. So start using the tools now. And instead of the regret game, like, okay, this is what I need. Maybe I'm not in a position today to hire that aggregator, but guess what I can do? I can hustle and grind for the next six months mm -hmm. and put myself in a position to get an aggregator. I am uh, going to 100% agree in what you just said, because I think it's the thing that people need to know that to get to that next level, you've literally got to just bust it hard and then yeah. it'll release and then you can delegate that pressure. You can yeah. delegate the pressure that you created. That's awesome. Nick, you're an awesome guest, man. Honestly, this has been incredible. You have incredible experiences. Um, a lot of value inside of here. I appreciate it. How, how can they find you? So any social media uh, at the Scarabosio, that's S-C-A-R-A-B-O-S-I-O, or just type my name in Nick Scarabosio to Google, it all comes up. Um, just reach out.
like I, I don't I don't do anything super formal with that stuff. I just let's have a conversation, get in touch. I, I love shooting the shit. That's awesome, man. I appreciate you, man. Thanks a lot for being on the move. Entrepreneur Evolve podcast. And because we did talk about jujitsu, this was an amazing episode. Go back on the Moved Entrepreneur Evolve podcast and go take a look at the Crone Gracie episode that we did on here. Thanks a lot, my friend. You've been an amazing guest. I hope to have you on again. If you like this episode, make sure you smash the like button and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just like Nike is to athletes, Moved is to entrepreneurs.